Our job today is we're going to open up Luke chapter 1, verse 57 to 79. We're going to talk about the path to peace. The path to peace. In order to get you thinking about the path to peace, I'm going to tell you that I've traveled a lot. When I left McLean Bible Church, I took a job as uh, leading a mission organization. Um, and one of the places we work is in the Philippines. We work in the Philippines, and we work in uh, various parts of the world looking for new opportunities. We just opened in Uganda. But one of the things I've learned on these mission trips when I go to visit places is as I walk through the slums, there is generally a path I'm to follow, and there is a guide to help me follow that path. So one time, uh, this is uh, a couple of years ago, first time I was ever in the Middle East. I was a little nervous to go to the Middle East. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous. I didn't know. And I got off the plane. I'm in Cairo. The very first night, they take us to a neighborhood. We're in a Christian church there. The uh, missionary and his wife's uh, pastor friend says, we should go and walk the neighborhood so you can see where the children that we were ministering to live. And I don't know. So I say, is that okay? Is that safe? It's kind of getting dark. And they say, oh, yes, no problem, no problem. Now, I know what you thought. You thought, Dale, you're too tough to ask if it's safe. Oh, no, I'm not. Not in the Middle East. See, I like this thing. I want it still to stay connected. You know what I mean? I like this. I don't want anything to change. So I ask lots of questions. But anyway, I go out. We start walking in the neighborhood. And the missionary's wife comes over. And, and she's a small lady like this. And she grabs onto my uh, arm. And as we're walking, she says, don't say anything in English. I don't have a lot of options, though. Okay, because I don't speak Arabic. There is little to nothing I could say now. That gave me the idea that maybe, well, anyway, turns out that was the wrong neighborhood to be in, and they should have never had an American. They had never seen an American in that neighborhood at all before. And they said it was actually extremely dangerous. Well, my guide and my path, I had to stand it now. If I had to cut right or cut left, I might not be here preaching. So then I was thinking about a time in the Philippines. In the Philippines, they have these, uh, in the places we go in the slums, they have these uh, bridges. I think we have a picture or two of them where <clears throat> you walk on these bamboo bridges across, and often there's like uh, sewage and stuff underneath. And so you're walking on these bridges here, and there's usually a guide, you know, in these little narrow places. Well, I was walking across one of the bridges, and they tell you to be careful as you walk on the bridges, not to put too much pressure and of course, I didn't listen, didn't think, and I and I step and I go through uh, the the bridge there. One leg only though, so I drop one leg and I've got one leg up. I'm stuck. I can't pull my leg back up. It's caught in the in the bamboo. And just at that moment, a uh, angry dog from the neighborhood comes out and is screaming and barking in my face. Uh, the missionaries are trying to help, but they're laughing a little bit, so it's hard for them to really help. I'm in this horrible situation, life-threatening, of course, and I'm, you know, weeping. No, not really. But I'm trying to figure out how I can get back my dignity and get this leg out of there. Well, that moment, that moment, I needed to stick to the path, follow the guide, exactly what I'm doing. What I believe is Jesus came to get us on a path to peace. He, he came to get us on the path to peace, and he is our guide. So let's start by opening up Luke chapter 1, verse 57 to 79. Now, you guys who are, uh, have been here a couple of weeks, you know that we're handing out the book of Luke. And this is a great thing. It has, gives you a place to write and, uh, and doodle and stay awake. So here we go. Let's read together. And I'm gonna, just going to tell you a few things about the passage. And then I'm going to concentrate on the messianic 
promises that are given at the very end. So we're going to really spend most of our time in verse 78, 79. But I'm going to start with just giving you a little bit of color to the passage, okay? So let's start. Now, the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and bore a son. There's really four people in the story. This helps me to picture it. Elizabeth, she's this older woman who just had her first baby, and that's what is, is happening here, as it says. So Elizabeth is that. She's a, the wife of a priest in Jerusalem. There were thousands of priests. His name is Zachariah. We're going to read about him in a second. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise a child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. Now, just so you know, when they came to circumcise a child, they would have come uh, together. It would have been like a little um, uh, family gathering, like a ritual there at the temple. And so he's holding, uh, she's holding the baby, gives it to the priest. They're about to start this thing, and then they're going to name the baby. They would wait, and they're going to name the baby. And so they assumed uh, on the eighth day, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, but none of your relatives are called John. And they made signs to the father. Remember, at this point, Zachariah wasn't able to speak or, 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 or hear. And they handed him a tablet. He wrote on it. He asked, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately when he wrote that, his mouth was open, his tongue loose, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked through all the hill country of Judea. Now imagine this. This is about 30 years before Jesus starts his public ministry. 30 years from then, they would still be talking about the miracles of John the Baptist and Jesus. He was going to ripple effect everybody in that country. Uh, MacArthur believes that for the time during Jesus' ministry, he about banished illness from the country. That's how many people he healed. He was constantly healing whole towns. He was known, and this is the first time that the neighbors begin hearing about the miracles around Messiah coming. And fear came on all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about uh, through in the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts, what then will this child be? And then it says a wonderful line. You should underline this. This is the kind of prayer you want to pray for your kids, for yourself. And it says, for the hand of the Lord was with him. It says that in Nehemiah. It says that in Ezra. It says that the hand of God was on his shoulder. You want to think of that. That's a beautiful prayer and a wonderful thing to think of God walking with us like that. Now, Zechariah gets back his voice. He begins to praise the Lord. This is all this is, is we're going to read now what came out of his mouth when he first began. He closed his mouth. God closed his mouth because of unbelief. God opened his mouth because of faith. He believed and he took a step of faith saying, no, we'll call him John. John meaning our God is gracious. Our God is gracious. That's the name of John. How many Johns in here today, by the way? Raise your hands. John. Any other Johns? We have one John in the no, that is impressive. Two Johns. Okay, good. Listen, you all would not be named that if they hadn't, if this passage had been written. I promise you that. No, these are Jewish names. You all wouldn't do Matthews in there. You wouldn't Andrew. Those are all Jewish names. So these are things that have come right out of these stories. So when you have kids, John, you're going to sit down and you say, you know, Daddy got this name? You're going to tell them this is a story. That Zechariah wrote out, his name will be John. All right, here we go. Zechariah's prophecy. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, remember, there's a group still standing there, the priests holding, circumcising, the naming, all that is going on. Praise be, it says. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. 
He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. By the way, the horn of salvation is not like a horn, like blow a horn. It's more like Jesus, he's saying Jesus is coming. And he's saying it like a horn, like on a big, huge bull. It's a horn of salvation. In other words, he's coming with power. As he spoke by the mouth of his, old, of his holy prophets of old. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, he looks down now to John the Baptist. He looks down and he says, and you, child, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And verse 78, now switching to Messiah, talking about Jesus again, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Jesus is the sunrise. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Brothers and sisters, there's four things that he describes about Messiah here in verse 78. First of all, Messiah came, Christmas came, every Christmas tree you see, Every gift you see wrapped, everybody who sings a Christmas song, you remember the only reason anyone celebrates this, this holiday is because of the tender mercy of God. It isn't God being angry at the world. It isn't, no, this is the tender mercy of God. Celebrate Christmas with that in mind. Rejoice in this wonderful picture of our Savior. Secondly, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Jesus Christ, the sunrise. To give light to those who sit in darkness. Thirdly, he is the one, he's coming to give light to those of us in darkness. How many of you have been pulled from darkness to light? How many of you have had this happen? Messiah has done this for you, right? This is true today. This is true today. He'll take you from dark to light, from the shadow of death. And then the last one is to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, if Jesus came... To, to bring peace 2,000 years ago, he may be a failure. Because I don't know about you, but I do not always have peace in my life. And when I look around the world, I don't see peace. I don't see peace. I see discord and unhappiness. I see people unhappy about all kinds of different things. So what are these? What is happening? If Jesus came to get us onto a path of peace, he came to the world first. He said to the whole world, you all can have peace. What do they say in the, what do the angels say? He is coming to bring peace on earth. What did Isaiah say? He would be the prince of peace. Remember that the Palm Sunday procession now at the end of his life, as they're shouting for Jesus to enter, they're saying he's going to bring peace in heaven and upon earth. Peace, peace, peace. But you and I know there is no peace now. What is going on? Well, Jesus is trying he offered the Jews first to get on a path to peace, and they rejected him, and they crucified him and killed him. Then Jesus offered the path of peace to the whole world, went out to the whole world, and most rejected him. And then he brought it to us, and those of us who know him, and he offers us this close, guided walk on a path to peace. This is the story of Jesus in the path of peace. Often, we create barriers between he and us. Let me tell you three barriers and two solutions to peace in your life. Three barriers and then two solutions. And let me just say, 
This is not said as though this is an easy thing. It isn't an easy thing. That's why there is a path to peace. I think it's critical that you see. One of the things that occurred to me first was he did not promise us always feelings of peace. He promised us a path to peace. Get the difference. Feelings of peace. If I'm to have feelings of peace, that means I would never go to the dentist. You guys have some peaceful feeling when you're driving on your way to get your teeth drilled? I don't. And sorry if there's any dentists here, but I hate those guys. They're killing me. They're just like torturing all of us. Then there's, there's a, how about you got, you got peaceful feelings when um, you have to make a hard decision? Do you get peaceful feeling when you uh, have to um, uh, uh, say no to your kids? Do you get a peaceful feeling when you uh, make a decision for Christ to step out for him? I don't think you get peaceful feelings then. Those aren't peaceful feelings. As a matter of fact, to get on the path for peace, you're going to have to make unpeaceful decisions. Because the most peaceful thing to do is obviously the easiest often. It feels best, but we are not looking for a feeling of peace only. He does want us to have that. But we need to get on his path to peace, and sometimes that takes some disruption to get there. Okay, so three barriers that I see. One, Barrier number one that you and I face in our lives, even though Jesus came to give peace, and if he came to give it to anybody, he certainly came to give it to his children. So let's see, why are you and I not experiencing the peace that maybe we could have in Christ? One, it is a lack of faith. Now, I don't say that in a way that I am condemning you or saying, I'm saying um, that is just a fact. You and I, the reason we don't have total faith, total peace, is because we don't really believe that Jesus can handle the circumstances. So there is a lack of faith. Number two, and I mean, remember something here when I say lack of faith. Remember this. You can't see him. Give yourself a break. I mean, you, you've never seen Jesus. You've never seen God. Remember the apostles. They saw him. They saw the miracles. And still, those dear brothers and sisters still had lack of faith. So this is a guide and a loving Savior who's walking through. Remember, he came with tender mercy. He didn't come here to whack you on the head because you can't believe, you can't always believe, you can't always trust in what you can't see. Okay, so one, lack of faith. Two, the second barrier I see is bad theology. You and I, especially those of you who grew up around religion, around church, we kind of naturally have this idea that God is a God of judgment, that God is a God who is unhappy with us, that we're failing, that we're dropping the ball. And it's worse for those of you who really want to walk with Jesus. If you start spending your time in the Word and you start really getting, you're never quite doing enough. You believe you ought to share your faith, and so now you're not quite sharing it enough. You're always feeling like God Almighty is displeased with you. That's bad theology. That's just bad theology. That's not understanding God. When you read through this passage, when you read through this passage, just look at how he describes the coming of Messiah. It is mercy. It is redemption. It is light. He did not come to bring judgment to the very few people in this world who would turn to him for salvation. I mean, just think of how silly that is. That if you gather a group of people, the whole world rejection, but you gather a few, a few, that are going to follow you. You want to get them onto the path of peace. And every time they stumble to get on that path, he's mad and screaming at them. Now, you're not the best fathers and mothers, yet you wouldn't do that while your kid's on training wheels, right? You're not screaming at them the whole time. I can't believe this kid can't ride the bike. I can't believe it. 
this stinking kid. I've shown him the bike. There is the way. There are the wheels. What's his problem? You wouldn't do that. And what did Jesus say? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, what would he do? He does not train you to get on the path of peace that way. This Lord Jesus, he came lovingly. And so a second barrier is our theology, our misunderstanding of how God looks at us and how he deals with his saints. Third barrier to our peace is us. We are a barrier to our peace. Psychologists will tell you this, nothing to do with God. They'll tell you that you and I control our own emotions. That's a heck of a thing. It didn't dawn on me that that's true until much later in life. But brothers and sisters, it's true. You control your own emotions. Because I can tell you that because I've seen guys, as a policeman, I've been on the scene where a guy's in a traumatic event. And right after, he's high-fiving his partner. And then I've been on the scene of a traumatic event, and this guy's throwing up. Same events, nothing different. Two human beings reacting completely different. Those are the emotions of the person. You and I are often the barrier to peace. How are we going to resolve this? How are we going to resolve this? What does Scripture say to resolve this? Number one, we want to look for him. We want to look for him. Stay with me. I don't want to be too simplistic. Peace is hard to get. I'm not... Uh, Saying this like it's a one, two, three, bang, bang, bang. No, this is the kind of thing that you'll have to think about those barriers and you'll have to think about these two steps, you know, a thousand times to get your heart to change. That's how we change. We don't change in one sermon, amen, we'll all commit to peace, off we go. Let all of you be peaceful forever. No, 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 no. As soon as the wind goes bad or till your kid is sick or whatever, trust me, you, you, you'll be unpeaceful. Maybe by the afternoon, somebody in the car is unhappy about the lousy message that was preached or whatever. And you're, you're, you know, there's this a difficulty, right? We know this? Okay. So let's think about this correctly. Three barriers. You want to think about those, Lord. Where are those getting in the way? And then second side, let me think about two possible solutions. One is to look to him. Anna and Simeon. Remember Anna the prophetess? And Simeon, Simeon, let me read to you out of the Amplified Bible. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout and looking for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. His whole life, he was looking for Jesus. Second one we get is Anna the prophetess. She too came at that same hour and she returned thanks to God and talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption, the deliverance of Israel. Much of our lack of peace in this life, brothers and sisters, is because we're looking, waiting, expecting the wrong people, the wrong things. Here's the deal. No matter how good your spouse is, no matter how good, he's going to let you down, she's going to let you down. If you're hoping peace is going to come from them, you will be discouraged much of your life. And that's why many of us are discouraged in our marriage. Because let's be for real, you may not see, say, Dale, I don't believe that. Yeah, sure you do. Some days, right? Like I believe it at 2 o'clock, and I get my head together, the Lord speaks to me, and by 4 o'clock I'm okay. But then by 6 o'clock I'm back to depend on them, right? This is the walk with Jesus. He wants to keep me on that path of peace. And every time I step off it, I'm stepping off it, I'm expecting, I'm looking to someone other than the Lord Jesus. So picture Jesus at the end of the road, and we are putting our eyes back on this job. And if I get this job, if I get this promotion, that's when I'm going to have peace. If I get this financial thing solved, then I'll have peace. You follow me, right? Fill in the blank. Jesus says this. The word says this over and over again. Jesus came to be the one that we would trust, have confidence in, 
and look to. We are to rely on him and we will constantly have unpeaceful lives when we count on anything else. That is for sure. Just fill in the blank. You will find that. So look to him. There is great, deep theology in thinking about this. That means as you're looking to him, you're going to learn more. You know, Paul, the apostle, he writes to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3. And he says unbelievably wonderful things there. But in 3a and 310, he talks about that I may know him. Talking about Jesus. He says that's the main goal of his life. And then he describes him and he says to know him compared to knowing what I know in this world. He said it is a priceless privilege to know him. It is a uh, preciousness that is beyond anything. He says that, uh, that to know Jesus is a privilege, an advantage. Brothers and sisters, see, getting to know Jesus, getting on that path, every time you get close to him, here's the problem with people. You've seen it your whole life, right? The closer you get, they seem great. Then you get to know them, then you marry them, and you find out there's all these human being things inside of them. They're falling, but the closer you get, you often get discouraged. Brothers and sisters, the closer you get to Jesus, the happier you're going to be. It just gets better and better and better. It says in Philippians 3.10, look at the wonders of his person. Read his stories. Think about him. The wonders of his person. That's looking to Jesus. So look to Jesus. And then secondly, listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now I'm afraid that you're conjuring up in your idea that you should take your devotional time and some book has told you that you're to cross your legs, put down your Bible, put down your, don't pray, and just sit and wait for God to talk to you. Brothers and sisters, I do not understand this kind of logic. Here's my problem. I've got just here in the book of Luke enough that I could read this thing from now to when I see Jesus. It is so full of words. I saw things in this passage that I've read a million times like you have this week I ne never saw before. Don't waste a minute waiting for some, uh, you know, guy to pop in your head and tell you something. Dude, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's what I'm talking about. Listen to him. He has spoken. And he has spoken clearly. Oftentimes, the Spirit of God in his grace does motivate us to do things. And we know that's the Lord motivating us. But let it be motivated through Scripture that you've heard. Let it be a motivation to go disciple someone. Let it be a motivation to pray more. Let it be a motivation to learn this word more. That is listening to Jesus. If you want to be on the path of peace, you need to listen to him. He guides our feet. Listen to this. I really like this. And the Amphite says, he guides our feet in a straight line into the way of peace. Into the way of peace. Let's listen to him. Hear the word of God. I'm going to take one verse, John 14, 27. Jesus, now at the end of his ministry, we're at the start right now, we're reading Luke 1. Now we're at the end of his ministry. He's gathered in the Last Supper there. Remember the Last Supper, all the pictures and all that. Remember this. Then the Last Supper, it was so powerful what happened that John... The apostle writes the book of John. Remember, he's 90 years old when he writes it. All the other apostles, oh, excuse me, all the other gospels have been written. It's been about 30 years. He now has read all of those, no doubt. He knows what's in all those. He goes back to rewrite or to add in, to emphasize certain things as he reads the book of John, as he writes the book of John. And in there, he spends three chapters just on those moments in the Last Supper. I mean, they had to be important moments. One of the things that happened there is, remember Jesus says this, you've heard a million times, and frankly, I've been frustrated by the verse. It says, my peace I leave with you. 
My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Well, for most of my Christian walk, I've thought, where is the peace? I mean, I'll have peace different times. But I've thought, preachers would say, you come to Jesus, you get peace. You don't go to Jesus, you don't have peace. And then I would be in my counseling as a pastor, and I'd be finding all these Christians that don't have any peace. It's like scratching my head. What in the world's happening here? Here's what I think has happened. All of us have those three barriers. And we misunderstand that. Those three barriers are getting in our way. One, it's a lack of faith. I don't believe him enough. I can't see him. I don't have enough faith in him. And I start to have all this anxiety as I look at things I can't control on this earth. Secondly, I have bad theology. I think that God is constantly unhappy with me. So for the believer in Jesus, you know what happens? We gain new anxieties when we come to Christ often because we listen to the enemy. Instead of getting peace, we get anxiety. Why? Because the third one, we do it to ourselves. Look at what Jesus said here really in this verse. He said, do not permit yourselves. Remember, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, don't permit yourselves to be agitated, disturbed, fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. Now, I wish life was that simple, that all of us could just turn off our anxiety that easy. But what Jesus is telling us is he's telling us we can control our thoughts. And the Lord Jesus has given us this wonderful path to peace. He wants to walk with us. He's like the guide. Imagine that you got a wonderful dad out teaching his kid on training wheels, and they're riding on training wheels, and the dad is trying to keep them on the path, right? Hold them up. So some of the time he holds them, some of the time he's just talking, and some of the time he steps back. This is your relationship with Jesus. He's got you on this path of peace, those of you who know Christ. You're walking closer to him all the time. Sometimes you're off the path over here. You're looking over here. You're looking over here. What does he do? Loving Father, he pushes you back. Get back on the path. Then sometimes you're going too slow on the path and you're way back here. He's pushing you. Come on, let's go back on the path. This is Jesus, the Messiah, comes to get us on the path to peace. He wants the whole world on the path of peace. There's so many of you going through so many different things. I've been praying for many of you this week. And as I pray for you, I think of the great temptation to try to find peace on another path. That is our temptation, right? I mean, we want to solve this. All of us want peace from anxiety. All of us do. And all of us, by the way, will struggle with it until we see Jesus. This is the truth. We're just on a path to peace, okay? So as you're doing this, it's a temptation to get distracted. I'm calling to you. I'm begging you right now. Jesus is the one who offers a path to peace. Jesus is the only path to peace. He really is. Like, I'm, I had to... I won't say things, I don't want to say things to you that I don't believe. I, I, this is true. Jesus is the path of peace. Get off the other path. Turn to Jesus. Make your salvation sure. Look to him, listen to him. Picture those three barriers of faith. Maybe today, those three barriers to your peace, you've got this lack of faith, you've got a bad view of God, and then your own heart gets in the way. As you do that, imagine right now that barrier is this big. As you start leaning on Jesus, looking to him, listening to Jesus, using scripture during the day, and so on, it is not going to eradicate all barriers to your peace, and suddenly whoosh, they drop in this afternoon. You know, I hear sermons every so often. I memorize this verse, and I never struggle with purity again. What the heck? Who are these people? I don't, you know, this. I heard this verse one time. God told me this, and now I've never worried again. I think they're lying anyway, to tell you the truth. I mean, how in the world I never fought with my wife, for God told me. Well, 
Are you married? Are you are you are you married to another human or what's going on there? Listen, here's what I'm telling you. This deal down here, he said in this world you will have trouble. Jesus said that. We are on a path to peace, but those barriers, they're not going to be eradicated. But what we're trying to do by looking and listening to the Savior is we're lowering the barrier. You follow me? So next week, the barrier to my peace is a little bit lower. And the next week, it's a little bit lower. And the next week, it's a little bit lower. You follow me? This is what we're doing. We're getting closer to Jesus. We're looking around the barrier. We're getting a little bit clearer vision of him. Jesus, our Savior. Now, we're going to close with a song. The same song we sang before we started. It's the goodness of God. Now, some of us have been on this path with Christ for a long time. We've been on this path with Christ, walking with Jesus. Come on, I'll pray to you. Yeah. We've been on this walk with Jesus for a long time. We've been on this path. And the one thing we want to do, too, is not just think forward and think of the ways we've gotten off the path, but we also want to stop for a second and look backwards on the path. And just look backwards for a second. Just close your eyes with me. Those of you that know Jesus, close your eyes. Look backwards now. And would you just stop and think about the goodness of God as you've walked that path of peace? That our Messiah came to chart out a path, and not just chart out a path, but to be our guide on that path. Picture the lady grabbing my arm in Cairo, walking me through the street. This is what Jesus does with you. The goodness of God, faithfulness of God. Think about all the ways, about all the ways he's been faithful. Oh, how we wish the world would believe us. That the path of peace is better than the path that the world offers. Lord Jesus, we get so distracted. We get so distracted. You know me, Jesus. You know me. You know that I often look to the things, the barriers. These barriers get in my way. I build them myself. They're my own barriers between me and you. Barriers that I put up where I decide I'm going to look to. I'm going to remember or think about you theologically the way I felt like in church about you growing up. That you're always unhappy with me. That you're always, And then I find myself, just the things you told me not to do, John 14, 27, I am agitated, I'm unsettled. I'm disturbed within. And all because I'm not listening to what you said. My peace I give to you. Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me, Jesus, and help me, Lord, because I don't want to keep with my bad theology. I don't want to keep with lack of faith, and I want, Lord, to allow you to control my insight and to change my emotions. Help me, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for this room right now. Everybody in this room has some worry, some struggle, some, and they had no idea that Christmas would bring them a path to peace. But Jesus, I pray that the Prince of Peace, that you, O oh Lord, would bring a rush of calm, a rush of assurance, peace, a feeling, a, a deliverance from this world, a little preparation for what it's like when we get closer to you. And then just help us, Lord, to keep making steps. Keep making steps down the path towards peace. Hear us now, Lord, as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.